desire to see heaven on earth because what I'm talking about today by his grace are two things that's required in order for us to see heaven on earth it's the gospel and the mission so uh, let me start off by telling you all that I love you I'm grateful for this opportunity to speak to you and um, I enjoy serving next to you let us pray heavenly father you are mighty You are holy. You are worthy. You are glorious. You're amazing. You're a good God. You're generous. You're just. You're righteous. There is none like you on heaven or on earth, nor there will ever be another one like you. Father, you are the author and finisher, not just of our lives, but of our spiritual life as well. The faith that we have, you have begun and you will complete. And we are grateful for that as well. We are grateful that you are faithful to what your word declares, that we can depend on it. We can trust in it. We can walk in it with confidence. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would be glorified through this message today. God, I pray that I would decrease in every way. Lord, you know that I have no desire to be up here on my own might. So I pray that you use me for your glory I pray that you have prepared the hearts of the people that are here today I thank you for bringing them all together God may the body be edified and may the lost be convicted and granted repentance unto salvation Father I love you and I pray this in the name of Jesus Amen You may be seated in the house of the Lord Okay, here it is. All right. Let's get to work, huh? All right, the gospel... The gospel and the mission. Um, I want to tell you guys a little bit about those two words before I even continue because uh, we're going to be talking about that through the whole, the whole message today. So I think it's good that we touch on those real quick which is what the mission we've been touching on. The gospel we've been touching on it all month, but I would like to touch on it again. So um, I'm going to start off by saying, uh, what is the mission? A mission is a task that's given to a group of people. It's a task. It's an assignment that's given to a group of people. At my job, every job to soul, I'm on a mission. So is the rest of the people who have something to do with it. I get the assignment. Here, you need to draw this. We sold it. You got to draw it. Get it drawn. Get it, get it to the fab shop, let them get the material pulled. They get the material pulled, we get out in the field, we get it installed, and then we get paid. So the mission is to get paid. Each job, that's our mission to get paid on. Is we want profit, we want, we want increase, not decrease, you know, because if that bottom line's down, the company closes, and it's all downhill from there. So each job, that's the mission. That's the task, that's the duty that's given. The mission that we have as the body of Christ was given to us by God the Father. And before I go any further, I'd like to read a little portion of this study guide that I have that I thought was awesome. I just wanted to share with you all. The very essence of God's people is that we are on a mission to follow Jesus and to carry out his continuing work on the earth. From its early days, God's people, the church, has been a living body, expanding, preaching, discipling, teaching, and presenting Jesus to the cultures that it lives in. We see in the New Testament a people moving into new cities, making disciples and doing things Jesus taught them to do. Jesus told his followers to be fishers of men, telling them to care for the poor, calling them outward, commissioning them as ambassadors 
to herald the good news to all the peoples and nations on the earth. This is the task of the church in every age, even our own. Amen? Amen. All right, so who, what, when, where, why, and how of this mission? Whose mission? It's God's mission. Since the beginning of time, God has been on mission to redeem humanity back to himself. It started with the serpent. He seen the fall of man. He told the devil, the serpent, back in the Garden of Eden. Most of y'all remember this, this story. Some of y'all know it from Sunday school. I'm going to tell you that it's a true story. It's real. If it's in the Bible, you can take it to the bank. And I can give you no money, but that's all right. So he told the serpent, you're going to bruise. You're going to bruise the heel, but there's going to be one that comes that's going to crush your head. And he was talking about Jesus long ago. That's exactly what he's talking about. And throughout the story of the Bible from Genesis all the way through the, to the birth of Christ, through the whole Old Testament, we see God, by the mouth of the prophets, talking about the one who is going to come. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. So God has been on a, on a mission to redeem humanity. Remembering that it's God's mission reminds us who is in charge and who's to get the glory. We must never forget that this is God's mission that we are on. Amen? So that's whose mission it is. What is the mission? The mission is that Jesus gave the church to go make disciples of all nations. Right? We've heard this. We heard this a lot this month. Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Teach them the things that Jesus commanded. So we need to teach them the scriptures. We need to teach them to obey the scriptures. Amen? And in the book of Mark, it says, proclaim the gospel. Go out and preach the gospel to everybody. Amen? All right, so that's the mission that we're on. Everybody said, that's the mission mission. that we're on. on. Amen. So when is the mission going down? I already said that. It's going down since the beginning of time. God started in the Garden of Eden to redeem people back to himself. Where is the mission? The mission is where there's human beings. Amen. If there's somebody to talk to, you're on mission. Everybody needs the gospel. Everybody. Why are we on mission? We're on mission because the one and only true and living God invited us to participate on mission. Amen. He invited us to participate in the reconciliation of human beings to himself. To reconcile that relationship. To bring it back together. To seek and save the lost. Amen. It is, everybody say it's by invitation. We've been invited. Amen. Say we've been invited. Y'all follow directions well, so I got to tell y'all, say, we've been invited. We should be moved with compassion for the lost, and we should be sorrowful for the lost. So we're going to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, just to read these scriptures, because the word of God is living and powerful and good to digest. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. And this is for Alexis. After that, we're going to go to Romans 9, 2. After that. So the book of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. We're talking about being moved with compassion. The scriptures say. And matter of fact, we'll just start in 35. Sorry, Alexis. We'll start in verse 35. Then Jesus went. About all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. 
because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. We should be moved with compassion when we see the lost the way that Jesus was moved with compassion. They need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. It's sad to see people who don't know Christ and are not in fellowship and relationship with him because they don't even understand the spiritual battle that's whooping their tail all day long. They don't get it. And it's real and it's serious and they need a shepherd. And we should take it serious the way that Jesus did. And I'm praying that that I'm moved with compassion a lot more than I've ever have been. I was very humbled and very blessed and very pleased with my fellow elder, fellow brother, Pastor Robert, last week and the message that he gave. It was a very humbling message. And um, I really, really enjoyed that. And that's my prayer, too, that God would just humble me, that I would stop being so hard-hearted and towards the lost. Uh, Romans 9, 2 is going to talk about us being sorrowful towards the lost. Everybody say, there ain't nothing wrong with the lost. I was lost at one time. Amen. The only problem they have is the same problem that you had before you met Jesus. Romans chapter 9 verse 2. We'll start in verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. This is our attitude towards the lost church. Nothing more. Compassion and sorrow. Amen? Amen. Thank you, God. Um, How are we on mission? We, We talk about who, what, when, where, why, and now how. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm going to touch on later on in the message. That's been my assignment. Um for this week is equipped for the mission. So I'm going to address how we are on mission. Evangelism has three parts. Um, I stole this from somewhere too. I I forgot where. So Um, evangelism, uh, building relationships, sharing the gospels and introducing people to community. Um, I failed miserably at all of those. Uh, I think building relationships, I might get a, a B minus or something like that. But um, sharing the gospel, it ain't no fun to share the gospel with people who know Jesus. Amen? Yeah. I mean, we just talking to each other, praising God, praising Jesus. That's good. And there's a time for that. And encouragement is wonderful. But man, how much greater to go out and share the gospel with the lost. You know, I was reading through the scriptures when I was preparing for this. And Paul... Paul said that he went to places that other people hadn't been because he wanted to lay a new foundation. That was his desire. He's like, somebody's already got that, Terry. Over, I want to come, come over here and share the gospel. That was pretty good. <laughs> Not because I said it, but because the scripture said it. <laughs> Building relationships, sharing the gospel, introducing people to community. I'm going to read a little passage here for that. You guys might enjoy this. Not a passage, but a, a, a little article here that I like to. This is a gentleman, he's saying, fellow brother in Christ. I recently spoke at a large, vibrant, multi-site church. While speaking about reaching the younger generation, I asked a couple of questions. The first question I ask in each service, and I ain't going to do y'all like this, so we're just going to hear this together. I asked those in each service to raise their hand if they grew up in a Christian home. 
Without fail, 80 to 90 percent raised their hands, most with understandable joy and enthusiasm for their heritage. And then I asked the second question. How many of you recall a time in your childhood when your Christian family talked about reaching out to your neighbors with the gospel? And then it went down to like 10 to 20 percent that raised their hand. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. Because we have neighbors that are lost. We have family members that are lost. We have friends that are lost, co-workers that are lost, people at the gas pump that are lost. Remember where the mission is, right? Where there's people. And they ain't rejecting you. Don't take it personal. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. We need to recover the gospel in a way that sets God's glory and the center of all of life. The center of scripture is not us, but it's God. Remember, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Who alone deserves our greatest wonder and all glory. Genesis begins not with us or even with creation, but with a creator God who creates for his own glory. The book of John, the gospel of John does the same thing, focusing our attention on Christ. Romans does the same thing. While creation reflects the glory, he finally and most clearly reveals himself to us in his son, Jesus. Thus, the central character of the biblical story is the redeemer who works in the story of redemption. Amen. Amen. That is Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. So now that we talked about the mission, we want to talk about the gospel real quick before we dig into being equipped for the mission. The gospel is the good news of what God has done for us so that we can be justly forgiven of our sins and brought into his family. You see, because if God just forgives you, then he's unjust. If God forgives you apart from Jesus Christ, he is an unjust God. That is why it don't happen. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. If you want forgiveness for your sins, if you want heaven, if you want to experience eternity, it has to go through Jesus. Because Jesus was the only one that... Everybody, if, if, you're, if your dad was a man, raise your hand. Like this. All right, now say, now say, say this with me. That's everybody. But Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. Yes, he had a mother that was a woman, but his father was not a man. Therefore, he did not have the seed of man that corrupted all of us. And whenever he walked his life sinless and perfect, doing the will of the Father for the glory of God, and was crucified for us, God was able to put our punishment upon him while he hung on the cross. Amen? The good news becomes magnified when it's clearly presented as the solution to everyone's bad news. There's very bad news, and without the good news, there's no hope in us. There is very, very, very bad news. Bad news. And whenever the good news is presented as a solution to everybody's bad news, it's magnified. It's wonderful news. Let me break this down a little bit. Let's talk about a disease. A disease that there's no cure for. Everybody has this disease. The doctor comes forward and says, 
I'm kind of doing this backwards. I probably should have started at this end, but I'm starting at this end, but that's okay. The doctor comes forth and says, i got a cure for this disease. Everybody is full of joy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's satisfied. Everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's kumbaya. Everybody's friends again. This is really good news. This disease is, is deadly. It's going to kill everybody. Now all of a sudden there's a doctor who has this disease. Everybody has the disease. So now this is a wonderful thing that, that there's a cure. Now let's take it down a notch. Let's say that some people got the disease, maybe 10% of the population. Some people got the disease. The doctor comes forth and says, I got a cure for this disease. Selfish humanity continues on their way. They're cool. Oh, that's cool. I got a disease. If you know somebody who had the disease, you're real happy and you're rejoicing with them. The people who had the disease, they're overwhelmed with joy because now they got life again or at least the opportunity for it. But there's not an outbreak of joy and an outbreak of jubilee because just some people had it. Some people are so crazy, they, they think that that's a population control. Now, if no one's got the disease, or at least they don't know it, and someone says, I got a cure for this disease, that's on you, bro. No big deal to you. Whatever. Okay. You got a cure for that disease. Who's got it? Nobody? There's no importance. Mankind rebelled against God, the one that gave them life. That was the death sentence. Now that sin is into the world, you're going to surely die. That's, that's the death problem. It's a, it's a punishment for sin. Romans 6.23 says that the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. See, now we're starting to get a glimpse of that good news. Everybody's getting a little excited. I like that. Good works don't work. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, please. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. It's after the book of 2 Corinthians and before the book of Ephesians. We're talking about good works not working. Because a lot of people, they're just banking on their good works in order to get to heaven. And that's cool if they do it and it works, but the bad news is it don't work. So we who know the truth got to make sure that we proclaim it, right? Galatians 2.16. And the scriptures say, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Justified from what? From sin. Thank you. From sin. Remember, God is unjust if he just says, I forgive you. So the good works ain't going to work. There's a sin problem, a death problem. Good works aren't working. This is bad news. But there's good news. Good news is important. And remember, it's magnified when you recognize the bad news. God the Father sent God the Son. Jesus, uh, Bishop, whenever he gave his, his sermon on vision, uh, the vision of the mission, he, he said in the book of John, it says 41 times. There's 41 scripture references. We went through all of them. About God sending the Son. So God the Father sent God the Son. 
God placed my sins and your sins on the perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, as he hung on the cross. He was punished in my place so that God can forgive us, justly forgive us, and accept us into his family. Um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, says that, um, Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. He was Wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. This is talking about the Messiah. It's like seven, eight hundred years before he was born, around that time. God sent Jesus to bear our iniquities, to endure the punishment that we deserve. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, 24. This is the good news, which is important news, especially for those who have a bad news problem, right? And who might that be? Amen. First Peter 2.24. First Peter chapter 2 verse 24 says... Who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. See, I don't I don't know why. And I guess it's just the sovereignty of God. I don't know why this message isn't proclaimed and people just fall in love with God. I mean, it happens, but it should happen more. And I I think probably why it doesn't happen as much is because I think we got to believe it more when we're sharing it. Not that salvation depends on us. It depends all on the message, but there's power in the message, right? It's the power of God unto salvation, the gospel message. But, man, that is a beautiful message. You're telling me that God sent his son who knew no sin to be sin, that I might become the righteous of God in him? So God's taking my sin. That's not really a fair deal. And he's given me life? This has got to break people at the heart. And we're going to see that it, it, sometimes it just does the opposite, but... We got to share it or else we won't know, right? Jesus rose from the dead on the third day and destroyed the, the pains of death that, are, that, were, that came through sin. Amen? So that's the good news. You got the bad news and you got the good news. Bad news, we're all going to hell. Let's just make it simple. All right? Good news, God can save you. Amen? Amen? Amen. I got these notes right here. If anyone wants them, I will be more than happy to email them to you. It's four pages. You can have it. Amen? All right, now what I want to do is I want to recap the month of January real quick. Actually, I don't know how quick it'll be, but that's what I'm going to try to do is real quick. Um, the month of January for the Faith Dome Fellowship and for a, lot, for a lot of the body of Christ throughout the world has, has been a time of separation, a time of crying out, a time of seeking God's face, desiring to um, see his glory manifested in this earth the way that it was in the book of Acts. And this is what we've been commissioned to do at the Faith Dome Fellowship and so we, we had a month of fasting, a month of prayer, and there was four points that we were, the focal points of, of, of our prayer, uh, in addition to everything else we have to pray for and that we get to pray for. Uh, it was repentance, revival, restoration, and reformation. Um, and I just thought it was, it was kind of cute to tie this in with loving God, growing together, reaching others, and serving. So that's what I did. Uh, repentance. Because of the gospel, we can repent and love God. Amen. Because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did for us, we are able to say, I love you, God. 
because he loved us first. We're able to be forgiven. We're granted repentance. We're able to say, I'm sorry. I recognize what I've done has been an offense to you. I recognize that what I've done needs to be forgiven of. Thank you for Jesus. Because of the gospel, we can repent and love God. Restoration. In the gospel, genuine, loving fellowship is restored, growing together. Restoration. When you live in the gospel, those relationships, remember those people who offended you and they owed you something so you had them in your chamber of hell? What's AKA bitterness? You don't want to talk to them because they offended you. You're staying away from them because they bothered you. Well, when you recognize your offense before God, you got no right to do that to anybody else. When you recognize the magnitude of how derogatory, how nasty, how filthy your sin is before a holy God, you won't do that to people. And when you do, hopefully one of your brothers or sisters will call you to repentance and you'll you'll repent because it's wrong. Because God has forgiven you. Who are you to hold a grudge against someone else? So in the gospel, genuine, genuine, that's an important word there. Because some of us, we try to fellowship, but it ain't genuine. And we need to repent of that too, right? Yeah, Bishop said we should meet, so we're going to meet, have you over for dinner, put a smile on so you have dinner for them, and you don't really, you don't really care. You're not really asking why, you know, how their day was, where they work. You're not really concerned with none of that. So in the gospel, genuine, loving fellowship is restored, growing together. Revival. Through the gospel, souls are revived from death to life, reaching others. Through the gospel, we preach the gospel, souls are saved. See, it sounds so easy, but all of us are so stagnant, right? Myself included. Very convicted. Very convicted. And if you were here last week, you would see another fellow leader in the church who has also been convicted We're just like you. We're just brothers and sisters. Through the gospel, souls are revived from death to life. So we preach the gospel, we share the gospel, and God works through it. It is the message of God and salvation. If you want anything in your arsenal, if you want anything to have as a weapon of warfare in the spiritual realm, use the gospel. Preach the gospel. I got, I got friends that ain't saved. Share the gospel with them. I got co-workers that he said, share the gospel with them. And you know what? The, the key, this is the thing that we have to get. And this is what I read a little bit earlier. It's not just vocally. This is my problem. It's not just vocally. It's living the gospel. We have to live the gospel. We don't invite saved people in and say, oh, welcome to the kingdom and give them dap and take them to your house and have lunch with them. What about the lost folks? The people who don't know Christ, let them come and see how you break bread. Let them come and see how the gospel has changed you for eternity. And maybe they'll get a little taste of that. See, people don't want to feel like your project. They don't, they don't, they don't want you to, every time you call, it's like, you ask them all these questions about how everything's going, and at the end you're like, when are you going to come to church? It's like, man, I thought, you were call- I thought you were calling to see how I was doing, but it's like, all you really care about is when I'm going to come to church. But it's good intentions. Because, I'm, I'm, let me support my brothers and sisters here. They just want you to be saved because they know where you're headed. 
All right. So their intentions are well, it's just a little bit wrong application. Let God do the saving so you don't need to invite them to church. Just live the gospel. That's what we have to do, church. They will see. Wonderful testimony. Jameek will, will make sense of it because he knows the, the, the people. Um, I got a phone call the other day from a gentleman named Joe Johnson. And he said to me, Chad, um, I just need to apologize to you. And he's probably like maybe 42 years old. He's a grown man. I just need to apologize um, because you were right. You, you were right. Jesus saved me two nights ago. And this is a voicemail. And I'm like, you don't owe me no apology. I mean, I lived the gospel while I was around him. I, I loved him well. I, I stood up for what was righteous. So did Jamie. He was a co-worker of ours at a construction company. And, and he had his drug issues and his own problems. And, and, he, and obviously God has drug him through the ringer to get him to a place where he's broken and realizes, man, there's one Savior and it's Jesus. And God saved him. So he calls me up with this testimony. So I call him back. I, I rejoice with him. I tell him he needs to find a really good church. And I want to know what church it is so that I can let him know if it's a good church. Amen. I know. I'm sorry that I have to say that. But in today's day and age, it's true. Uh, bad churches can ruin people. You know, and if there's anything that we could do about it, we should. And hey, just getting saved, looking for a church, this is my time to shine, right? Um, so, he calls me, and I put him on my text list. If, you, if anyone knows what that is, they get a text from me every day. And he's calling me like every day. I mean, his tone is different. He sounds like, like a little kid or something. I mean, it's just amazing. You can tell that something's happened. You can tell. And then he texts me yesterday. Hey, Jim Hill wants you to call him and tell him about Jesus. Jim Hill's another co-worker that used to work with us. They, they were real, real good buddies. So I called him and left him a message. He didn't answer. Joe calls me, calls him back. I didn't answer because I was studying. He left me a message. He says, hey, thanks for calling Jim. I really appreciate that. I, don't, I, know, I know I don't want to bother you. I don't want to take up any of your time. Just real like bashful and real like... Like, I'm unapproachable or something. And, and I'm like, this guy's funny, man, because I want him to call me. I like hearing from him, you know. And, um, and he said, just put him on your text list. He wants you to put him on your text list. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that yet because I want to talk to him, and I want to tell him about Jesus. And then I want to ask him if it's okay, and then I will. But um, it's amazing. And the reason why I even got into that, because I was talking about living the gospel. Yes, Jameek shared the gospel with Joe Johnson. Yes, I told Joe Johnson about Jesus. But man, that was like five years ago. And he called me. That means I must have been doing something right five years ago. Because who the heck am I to call? He wanted to share it with me. Live the gospel. People recognize. Reformation was one of the other, um, was the fourth focal point of prayer. By the gospel, our minds are reformed, and we go from wanting to be served to wanting to serve others, just like Jesus did, serving. Whenever you're changed by the gospel, you recognize that it's not about you. And when you see the verse where Jesus, your master, the one that saved you, says, I came to serve, not to be served, you jump on that boat. 
you want to do the same thing because you love Jesus. And you become servant-hearted, not grudgingly. You do it because you love Jesus. And this is what we're called to do. Amen? Finishing recap, Bishop Jason Quinones, he spoke about vision for mission, uh, for the mission. That was uh, a few weeks ago. And he said that if you believe that Jesus was sent, this is after he went over them 41 verses. If you believe that Jesus was sent, then you need to believe that you've been sent too. Amen? Because that, that's what this is all about, y'all. That, that's what this is all about. It's not for your best life now. It's not so that you can feel better. All of that's just extra. It's because you've been sent. It's because of the mission. It's because the screen was blue. No, just kidding. Um, um, Pastor Aldo, he spoke on the barriers of mission. He said there's two barriers of mission. The barriers of mission are you and your adversary, right? Remember, I know bestosis. Remember that, that new disease he created? I'm still waiting for a cure for that one. No, I'm just kidding. Jesus is the cure. Um, I know bestosis is, is something that, that he referred to, and I'm sure we'll see it at the end of the year. Tempted and drawn away by your own desires, James 1.14. The Bible says that God does not tempt anyone. Yes, we are tested, but he doesn't tempt you. But whenever you fall in, when you start falling into sins, point the finger like this. Because the Bible says that we are tempted and drawn away by our own desires. That's why we need Jesus, folks. That's why we need Jesus. Because our desires are grafted towards, by nature, I know you want to say it ain't your fault, but you're still accountable. By nature, you are grafted towards sin. Remember, out of the heart a man proceeds. All of these things come from within and defile you. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? There would not be a command to say, if anyone wants to follow after me, they must first deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me daily, if you were going to be able to do it on your own. Why have we got to follow Jesus? Because if you're following yourself, you're going to follow yourself straight into the pit of hell. Your adversary was the other barrier to this mission. Remember, we're talking about a barrier to the mission, and the mission is what? Go and make disciples, to go share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel to the entire world, to teach people about Jesus. So there's barriers. You're one barrier. I don't feel like it. They might reject me. My feelings might get hurt. I'm too prideful. They offended me. I don't know what to say. Woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And I'll get into why you're equipped later. Your adversary, the devil, um, there are fiery darts. The Bible talks about them. Um, And they're meant to trip you up. Everybody say, I hate the devil. devil. I didn't think a preacher would tell you to say hate, right? (laughs) I hate the devil, man. The Bible says a sin waits at your door to devour you, but you should rule over it. That's what God was telling Cain. Cain got all upset. He got all mad. Some of us want to get all upset and not go out on mission for whatever reason. No good reason. And God is saying, I've called you out on mission. I have called you out to go proclaim the gospel, to go share the gospel, to go be a light into the world, to be salt into the world, to go tell people about me. This is what I've called you out of darkness for. No other reason. 
And sin lies at the door waiting to devour you, waiting to consume you, waiting to draw you away by your own desires. This is why we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. Right? Let me read something about that. Because I was pretty, I like that. I forgot to read that. Jesus is the center of history. He is the center of the Bible. He is to be the center of our lives. We need his gospel as much as anyone else. We should preach the gospel to ourselves daily to remind ourselves that life is not about us, but it's about Christ situating our great depravity under his marvelous grace. If we take our eyes off of Christ, if we stop preaching the gospel to ourselves, if we stop recognizing that we're not worthy, but he is, and it's all about him, not about us, we're not going to go out on mission. We're not. And we won't. Pastor Robert talked about gaining and maintaining the mission. The first thing that needs to happen is the gospel must be preached. Amen? And he went in to say the Bible must be read. It must be studied. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. For you to continue to walk with God, you have to know the word. But you want to, get, you want to maintain this mission? A good way for you to fall out of mission is for you to stop studying the scriptures. Because the scriptures are going to change you. They're going to alter you. Alright? That's part of the equipping part. I don't want to get ahead of myself. He also said fellowship. Fellowship takes sacrifice and prayer. So to, gain, to, to maintain the mission, there needs to be gospel preaching, Bible reading and studying, fellowship and prayer. Amen? Now we get into being equipped. The word equip means to make ready to supply the necessities or provisions for. In gospel context, Jesus has made sure that the body of Christ is ready for the mission. Whose mission is it? It's God's mission. It's God's mission. So guess what? He's going to make sure we're ready. All right? He's, he, he, he's a great God. He's flawless. He's not going to call us on to something and not prepare us to be, to be equipped to do it. Right? Amen. So, indwelt by the Holy Spirit is the first way that we are equipped. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Jesus promised that we were going to receive power to witness to all of humanity in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We'll be taught that what, we'll be taught what to say in the very hour of our persecution. This was, uh, was Peter whenever he was before the uh, the council, it's 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 interesting because if you go to uh, let's let's go to Luke chapter twelve verses eleven and twelve. Luke, Luke chapter twelve verses eleven and twelve. And after that, Alexis, we're going to go to um, Acts chapter 4, verse 8. So Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. 
when they bring you to the synagogues and to the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 8. And the scriptures say, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And it goes into what he said. But I wanted to just point out that the Holy Spirit is going to do what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. Um, it's really, really amazing. And I think I might have found a new way to study. Um, I really like listening to the audio Bible and taking notes. It's really, really cool. And when I was listening to the audio Bible, the book of Acts, I was absolutely floored. Just floored with the power of the Holy Spirit that flooded that church in the beginning. And the lame man, he's, he's just chilling out. I mean, think of how pitiful this guy is. His family's carrying him every day, setting, his, setting him down, and he's begging for money. I mean, how, can you be any more hopeless than that? And, and then Peter and John are, I don't have silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus Rise up. I'll give you what I have. And this man was so overwhelmed with joy. He, he's clinging to them. And he's following them. He's like the, you know, the school kid he couldn't get rid of or something. He's following them around. He's just praising them. And as they're going about in front of all of the elders and leaders, it's, it's showing. And they're in front of the people. It's showing that, man, this was the guy that couldn't walk. He was lame. And they give all glory to God. And then they get in front of the, in front of the rulers and councils and it's like, man, this is what we're being scolded for? You guys, are, you guys are upset because this guy is healed, because he can walk? But the Spirit of God filled Peter and, and, and told him exactly what to say during that time. So the Holy Spirit indwells us, and this is how we are equipped to go out on mission, to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to teach the things that Christ told us to teach. The Holy Spirit is going to bring you comfort. Again, Acts 9.31. Walk by the Spirit. Make choices and decisions according to the guidance of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16. So just because you got the Spirit, don't just say, I got the Spirit and do whatever you want. We need to still be obedient. We need to walk by the Spirit. Amen? Galatians 5, 18. Be led by the Spirit. Personal involvement by the Holy Spirit guiding Christians. Intentional guidance from the Spirit of God. Intentional submission to the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Everybody say, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. The, the second way that we are equipped is the Scriptures. Um, we're going to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. A lot of you will probably be familiar with this passage. Um, it's definitely helped me a lot in my walk with Christ. Because those fiery darts that come at you. You know, you got so many doubters, so many people who don't believe, so many people who they want to just bring you down. Why are you believing in that? They don't even know what they're talking about. They're talking about the side of their neck. They don't, they don't have a clue. But they're telling you that you don't have a clue. And I look to the scriptures, and it's like all scripture is given by inspiration. So I, I just know, and I'm comforted that the word of God is living and powerful, and that it can do everything that it says it's going to do. So 
the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? Now y'all know why Pastor Robert said we need to read the Bible, study the Bible, right? It's very, very, very important, and I don't do it enough. So the first thing that we see in this passage is that the Scriptures are God-breathed. Yes, it takes faith to, to believe that. I understand that. Faith is a gift. It's a gift from God. So I can't, I can't really help you there besides sharing the gospel with you, which I've already done that. Um, but it's, it's breathed out by God. Um, so we can trust in it. I mean, we, we've seen in Acts chapter 3, verse 18, that the, the, uh, the, the Luke, Luke, I think it was Luke, um, he said he's the author. Um, it might have been Peter talking at the time. I don't know. But he said that since the beginning of time, God, by the mouth of the prophets, has spoken of this Christ. All right. So God, by the mouth of the prophets, has spoken. The mouth of the prophets, he's talking about the scriptures. All right. Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Amos, Malachi, all, all, those, all the prophets. And he said that God's the one that used them to speak about Jesus. So the scriptures, I'm good with that. I'm confident that they are the, the word of God, and I'm grateful for them every single day. Profitable. It goes on to say that the word of God is profitable for teaching. There's a lot of false teaching out there, church. A lot of false teaching. Everybody wants to everybody wants to have the truth and everybody wants you to know that they have the truth. If it's not from the scriptures, it ain't the truth. Alright? I mean there might be some truth to it. I'm not saying that there is no truth outside of the scriptures, but whenever you start talking about eternity, you better make sure it's backed up with scripture. When you start talking about salvation and you and God and that connection, make sure it's backed up by scriptures. Because if it's not backed up by scriptures, it's false teaching. Amen? Especially when they start talking about Jesus. And they want to tell you everything they know about Jesus. And none of it's backed up by the scriptures. It is false teaching. So the scriptures, we need to be equipped for the mission, right? We got the spirit of God. The spirit of God dwells in us. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which belong to him. So you got the spirit living in you. Now you turn to the text and you begin to read the text. All right. And it's profitable for you. It's God breathed and profitable for you for the teaching so that you could be equipped to go out and teach. What was one of the mission points? Right. Teach them the things that I have taught you. How do we learn that through the scriptures? Reproof. It's profitable for reproof. That word is also rebuke. Yes, you and I need to be rebuked. Often. All right, me often. I don't know about you, but I I get double often myself. We need to be rebuked because our our way of thinking is just sometimes it's just selfish and prideful and foolish and arrogant. Self-centered. Like, remember when you invite the people over because Bishop said so, but you really don't care about how their day is going. You really don't care about what their job is. You really don't. Oh, we don't do that in here. But that's cool. That's, Bishop, we're good here. That's good. I'm glad we don't do that here. 
But we need to be rebuked by the scriptures. You, you thought you were so right. Oh, I didn't see that Matthew chapter 6. Okay, cool. You got rebuked. Now repent and go ahead. And anyone that you done messed up with what you told them, let them know I'm sorry. I didn't see Matthew chapter 6. You know, I love you. I didn't mean to lead you astray there. Whoever you told, you need to go let them know. Um, that's why the Bible says that, you know, if, to be a teacher, you, you got, uh, it's double the responsibility. Absolutely. You're doubly accountable. Um, correction is pro it's profitable for correction. That kind of goes with the rebuke. Um, so I'll tie those in together. Profitable for training in righteousness. See, if you're a sinner by nature and you're all jacked up, if you will, all right, then you don't know how to be righteous because even your righteousness is filthy rags. So you need the scriptures to counsel you, to speak to you, to shepherd you, to guide you. This is the word of God. Jesus is the living word. So. Training in righteousness is, is, is very important to come through the scriptures and through the men of God and women, or, yeah, men and women of God that God has placed over you to, um, to teach you what the scriptures say and to help you understand them if that's necessary. Um, the, the last portion of being equipped is Jesus said in Matthew twenty eight twenty that he'll be with us always until the end of the age. And the end of the age there, it, it, it's talking about the end of the, it's, it's talking about the harvest. Um, the, the parable of the weeds that was in Matthew chapter 13, verse 39, when Jesus is talking about the weeds and, 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 um, that, are, that are growing with the, with the harvest. And um, he goes on to say that at the end of the age, they'll be separated. That's the end of the age that Jesus was talking about when he says, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. So for us, that's the end of our time here. That's until, until you know, heaven on earth, you know. Um, so it's comforting to know that our Savior has not forsaken us, that our Savior has empowered us with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't think the, the Holy Spirit's powerful enough, please just read the book of Acts. And then you'll be up here repenting, humble, because... The Holy Spirit is so powerful. 3,000, 5,000, lame man walking, Dorcas rising from the dead. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. And um, Jesus has said it, so it's true. And we walk in it. The last thing I'm going to talk about before I close is that Sometimes the issue is, is that we try to equip ourselves for a mission that Jesus didn't send us on. And that's a big issue because if you're not, if, if you're desiring to be equipped and you're preparing for this great mission that has nothing to do with your mission as a child of God, you're just going to end up frustrated. There's no, there's no godly support behind it. God ain't got your back on that one. I mean, he, he might be allowing you to go through it because, you know, just to conform you to the image of Christ, but I don't know. You know, I won't even get into that, but don't do it, man. 
There's no reason to be on a different mission. The mission is to go proclaim the gospel, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them the scriptures. Teach them what Jesus commanded. That's the mission, and that's the only mission. So if you're on mission, and you ain't got to worry about it in this church, and I thank God for that, but there are people who are man-centered churches. That's their mission. They want people to see them, glorify them, exalt them. That's their mission. God ain't behind that. And they're preparing for it. Um, people who are uh, more, more for status quo, they want people to recognize them. They want to be amongst the crowd of people who are glorified and talked about. That's the wrong mission. Um, you got money-hungry pastors who are on mission for money. And they're abusing the scriptures. And they're making a mockery of God. And they're dragging God's people through the mud. That's the wrong mission, church. Run far and fast. If you come across that. Now you see why I said Joe Johnson. Let me know what church you're going to. Because it's important. Or a ministry that's just trying to be innovative. To be the best. For bragging rights or something of such. There's nothing wrong with technology. Technology is wonderful. And it helps you communicate the gospel. But don't, don't, don't try to equip yourself for a mission that's not of God. Don't waste your time. God has called you out and there's a lot of work to be done. Stop stop crying and and whining about how the people you know aren't saved and they don't want to listen to you. Because all you're doing is trying to tell them about the gospel and you're not living the gospel in front of them. As if though they're tainted. As if though they're not worthy of your presence. You're not worthy of the presence of God, but he's given it to you. They need Jesus just like we need Jesus. With that said, um, in here today and the gospel message has cut you in the heart and it didn't make you angry like it did the Pharisees when they started gnashing at the teeth and stoned Stephen I'm grateful for that because I don't want to be stoned. I got some people in here that got my back too, so y'all better watch out. But if the gospel message cut you and was drawing repentance out of you, sorrow, and you say, you know, I want to know more about Christ, I want to grow with his body. I want to be on mission. I want to repent of my sins. I want to walk in fellowship with the body. I don't want to be on a different team anymore. 
then I invite you to come forward. And if you do come forward, I'm going to tell you what it means to me. I don't know what it means between you and God. To me, it means that God has been gracious to you. That he's drawn a conviction in your heart for your sins and for your ungodliness. And you want to do something about it. And within time, the genuineness of whether you are serious about coming forward is going to be shown. And I want to love you. I want to encourage you. I want to walk with you. I want to help you learn more about Christ. Not because there's a benefit to me, although there is. I mean, a body that is joined together on the same mission, there's much benefit. Especially when there's unity in one mind and one accord. But primarily because I know that I know that I know that the scriptures are true, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that you will not go to heaven to be with God for all of eternity if you do not repent of your sins and trust in Jesus with all your might, heart, soul, and strength. You're going to fail. You're going to fall on your face. God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. It will happen. You're going to doubt. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But you have a body of believers that will surround you and love you. You have a God that is faithful and won't lose you. Let us pray. Feel free to come forward if, if that's you. If no one comes forward, God has still been gracious and I love him and I'm grateful for him. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much.